Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Would you like to see my tattoo? What a day. Oh, God. Sorry, that was uh, meant to be Jennifer Tilly. It sounded more like Peter Laurie. We have recorded this podcast twice already. Mm-hmm. And Anchor is betraying me and not saving it. So this is our third time. <sighs> so I feel like my energy is low. <laughs> I haven't even had breakfast. And it's like, what time is it? 12.48 p.m. Mm-hmm. We're also using some very expensive microphones I bought a while ago. Hope so they sound good. Hope this sounds good. If this does not work, uh, I'm just going to give up. <laughs> I'm just going to give up. Anyway, I returned a couple of days ago from a week-long cruise. Yes, you did. Welcome back. You had a cake waiting for you. I did. Uh, okay. I feel like we're going to wrap this up quickly. People do. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I was very energetic, but... Um, but that makes it sound like people should be disappointed already. No, whenever I go on the cruise uh, and people find out, they ask me what it's like. And you've also been on the cruise, mm-hmm. um, a gay cruise. So it's an Atlantis cruise. It's just a bunch of gay guys on a big ass boat, drunk, usually high, partying too late. Every night is a themed party, like a circuit party. So it's like white party, disco, dog tag, uh, superhero. And all that means is every night, People wear different color harnesses and jock straps. Because the real category is naked. And there's lots of food. Of course, cruise ships have shows. And generally, the entertainment that's booked is catered towards homosexuals. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like drag queens. Todrick Hall, Margaret Cho, people, Vanessa Williams, people like that will be on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a rant twice already about Dramamine, but if people don't know, Dramamine is used for motion sickness and I don't get seasick, but I always buy it. And then if I need it, I have it. So I took it on the first night, two capsules as directed. And when I tell you I was high as a kite. Mm -hmm. So when I returned home, I was reading about it. And apparently people use Dramamine like recreationally. There are many names for it, like Dime or Drama Dime. Stuff like that. And it's because people will take 10 pills and just fucking fly. So this is like, is this like bargain basement ambient or uh, ambient? Maybe, because I know people abuse ambient in that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I felt high as a kite. I slept for hours, hours, hours. And the next day I was groggy, but not in like a bad way. Just like I felt numb and like I was floating. Or do you remember robo tripping? No. Rope with Robitussin, you could down a bunch of that. Oh God, no, I don't. But I'm, I'm sure from people the, did it. I'm from the Midwest. Children did that there. It was a lot. It was a lot. But the active ingredient is Benadryl, and two capsules of Dramamine have less Benadryl than the 50 milligrams you get in two Benadryl capsules. And I take Benadryl often, and it barely works. So I don't know how Dramamine affects me so vigorously, but placebo. Here we are. Um, but anyway, you know, the, the cruise, I, I enjoy them. The staff is always very friendly, although because this cruise was not sold out, there was a higher than normal ratio of staff to passenger. So I had time to kind of observe people. And it's very obvious that like amongst each other, there's a lot of cattiness and politics and people just seem very rude to one another, but they're very nice to the passengers. And the supervisors generally wear like captain's outfits and it's very clear like when they walk into the room the staff get really like uptight and nervous so i'm sure beyond just having to spend months on a boat and cramped quarters probably not being paid what they should be they have to deal with like all the politics of it so you know we should be thankful for the people who are willing to do these jobs um as always as always and then to wrap this up uh You know, there's a group chat associated with each cruise. And after every cruise, it's always the same. It's people saying like, I was really great meeting people. Here's my contact info, blah, blah, blah. But then there are also a lot of messages of people saying like, I've never felt so lonely. No one talked to me. Like people were so rude. Um, I was triggered by all the blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. We went on a rant already twice. But I, I think it's just about... I like the cruise because I like being left alone and I don't want to think about anything and I don't use drugs. I don't really drink. I don't like to stay up late. I love food. Um, So it's, and I like cheesy shows. So it's enjoyable to me to not have to think about any of that, but 
you know, people have a lot of demons and insecurities, as do I. One of them, though, is not being alone. Same. And same. I think, you know, if we're talking about like gay men, I just feel like in our community, people are so afraid to like, I don't know. It just seems like people are so afraid to find their own path. Like everyone needs to be like latched onto a group. Right. Well, because it's a sign of uh, undesirability, right? To be alone. It means nobody wants your company. And you know what? Fine. <laughs> and I'm starting to think that, like, I'm starting to realize that I think that's what it is. Because pre previously, I would have thought people just, you know, people want companionship and they don't want to, like, people want to enjoy things with people. But I'm starting to think that it's, I don't think people it want to feel desired. It has nothing to do with that because otherwise, gay men wouldn't just only be trying to fuck each other. It, it has all about how desirable you seem. Uh, and there's a certain hierarchy that comes with that. And we need to. We need to scuttle that boat uh, and, and get away from that. And part of that is loving yourself and having, again, I've used this analogy twice already in these recordings, but I keep saying like, like rotten fruit, like it's, it's in your spirit. It's in the energy you give off that, and, and, and you, it's kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like nobody will want to talk to you because that's what you're only desperate for. And people will come to talk to you. And maybe some of that you actually want to come talk to you. Uh, if you don't aren't exuding this energy that you have to have that just be yourself, enjoy yourself. Yeah, that would be my advice as someone who's perpetually miserable and, and, you know, like I'm not a happy person and I feel like a loner, and but I like that. And maybe because I'm miserable, I don't know. But despite all that, as a 44 year old, my life has turned into something bigger than I would have imagined. Again, everything in moderation, you can't be isolated forever. That causes no, different can't. problems, you know. You're, <laughs> so you're, you're right. But I think um, what I was going to say is someone who still, despite that, has been able to manage something that seems kind of remarkable my, my advice would be that people need to become comfortable in their own skin first yeah maybe and i think a lot of issues that people face within the community as far as like chemical dependency issues and relationship issues um probably stem from just not being comfortable in their own skin like mm -hmm. needing like like a crutch well and also wanting to infect others with your discomfort i don't know how many times because i'm almost always alone when i'm out in public and the way people react to that like oh what's wrong with you or or the shame almost <laughs> well you're not going to be my friend clearly uh because that is not an attitude i share whatsoever and I'm kind of proud of myself that, like, if I want to do something, I'll go do it. And my first thought is not to, like, text my group, my, my core group of friends, which, by the way, like, you know, I'm on social media. I see a lot of people. And it's like everyone always has these, like, everyone presents like they have this grand network of people who mm -hmm. are their BFFs and they have such a rich social network. But then it's also like, why are you messaging me all the time? Try to get my attention then. Like, if, if you have this rich, like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, like. So, but to me, it, it, it just seems like when, I, and I don't have that, I don't know a lot of people, but when I think I want to do something, my first thought is not, who am I going to ask to do it with me? My first thought is, when am I going to do this? Like, And also, you know, being part of a, a married couple and the, the attitude that then you're not, so not allowed to go do things by yourself. And it's like, well, uh, we don't own one another, uh, he, I'm, I'm, you know we're not each other's piece of property. So, and it's not about like having your cake and eating it too. It's like, I still need social interaction with others sometimes that aren't just my significant other. And, and I also very much resent that attitude and will not be afraid to tell you to your face uh, if you try to come at me with that bullshit. But yeah, people treat me like I'm pathetic and it's like, really girl do i look pathetic do i look like i'm not winning like i not to be like that but really to be like that it's like do i look like i'm not a confident person right like like i have a career and you know i know i don't sound that smart but i am educated and like i have all the things right i have the the the, the diplomas and the and the job and the mortgage and the car and like i've done all the things and mm -hmm. i present as a confident person i have a personality i'm not socially awkward i just don't need people to support me in my endeavors in the way that others do mm -hmm. like yeah you're right i can't always be an island and emotional support's important and having an outlet and you know the, the biggest reason why i generally want to be around people is i learn things mm -hmm. i like hearing other people talk about things and, and and i hope that i glean something from it or i adjust an opinion or but but yeah from for from other people like gay men to gay men like if you're just using people for sex 
what are you they're, they're also only going to use you for that and yeah that's the other thing yeah i i don't know like it, it's just it's not it's not a spiritual or emotional sustenance like if, if you compare those things to like the food your your the diet to support your body like that that's what doesn't feel good and i'm not young i've had all of those things in excess like i like i'm not hungry for a lot of things that people seem so desperate for like i don't like I, like I really related to the character in the Banshees of Inishirin when oh uh, Brendan Gleeson Brendan Gleeson yeah. telling Colin Farrell his best friend like I don't want to talk to you anymore I'm tired of like conversing with a dull man mm -hmm. and I, I I think that's kind of how I feel about a lot of people is like I don't get anything from you yes like I feel like I'm always the entertainment I feel like I'm always the interesting one who has to kind of like. I feel like a monkey putting on a show, mm -hmm. like dance, monkey dance. And I don't like that. I want people to stimulate me. I want people to have interesting things to say. I don't think I'm an aggressive person, but sometimes people act like I bulldoze a conversation. It's like, no, I'm trying to get you to have an opinion. Yeah, you meet me where what I am. What do you then. think? Do you yeah. not agree with me? Like, mm -hmm. tell me, I want to learn. Maybe well, I'm wrong. I well, yeah, and maybe we're just, we, we can't vibe because you can't match what I'm giving. Uh, and, and I also, you know, I find it patronizing where people feel like they have to talk to me about somebody I'm, I'm that they know I'm interested in. But also if you can't match me at the level I'm speaking, don't bother. <laughs> yeah. I also not, resent like people saying like, like you want to like when people meet me and it's like, they want to talk about Janet Jackson. And it's like, I don't, <laughs> I can talk about more than Janet. I don't even want to talk about, it. I don't even like talking about movies. Like, well, I know you don't. <laughs> yeah, like when people approach me and they want to talk about movies, it's like, I do not. I talk about movies so much and I don't even like most of them. I want to talk about other things. I want, you know what I actually want to talk about? People. Who mm -hmm. are you? What do you like? What mm -hmm. do you think about things that happened today? Moving on. Like that incident in South Korea in Seoul where like the people were trampled. And, you know, like, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is devastating to know that 150 plus people died, but like, it's also scary that we put ourselves in these situations that are very high risk. And we know that they're, you know, yes, we can sort of prepare people for emergencies, but really in a situation like that, there's going to be chaos. People are crammed into a tight space, something initiated um, a stampede. Mm -hmm. And there is no protocol for like, what do you do when you're being approached by 10,000 people and you fall? Nothing but get trampled on. Because also people aren't taught or it's impossible to teach them survival skills and how to act <laughs> under pressure. So, Well, that's the thing. People don't know how to act under pressure. No one knows how to stay calm, even though every movie, TV show, public service announcement, safety video, video we've ever watched tells you to stay calm in an emergency. And part of that is because if you don't, Something will happen like what happened in not only Seoul, Korea, but these events are called crushes, apparently, and these happen regularly. It's just <laughs> a little crush. So it's like clearly people cannot stay calm. It's just like waking up to this news was just like, ugh, because it's so sad to think that all of the people, I'm assuming, who were out that night were trying to have fun. Yeah, they didn't want to die. They weren't thinking like, <laughs> I'm going to be trampled. So, it, I mean, that's the hardest part of the news. Yes. And then moving on to more shady things, only because I mentioned it previously, there's a guy, a 21-year-old guy in Louisiana who was arrested and charged with attempted murder after luring an 18-year-old off of Grinder, which is a gay sex app, uh, to a location to which he then transferred him to another location. And he attempted to dismember him like... He stabbed him like in the neck. He stabbed him so bad in his wrist that his hands were almost severed off. He strangled him so badly that all of the blood vessels in his face burst. Um, the man didn't die, thankfully, and was able to be uh, rescued by uh, authorities and ultimately led to the arrest of this guy. But I'm only bringing it up because I alluded to it before. And I just think people need to be careful. Like, please be careful. I'm, this gets back to what I was talking about on the gay cruise and people wanting so badly to have companionship. And I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to sort of lower my standards. To, well, you know, uh -huh. and maybe some of you people out there listening who I did lower my standards for, I don't know, but ne never as bad as I think I put myself in danger. But I think it's in the same chapter of like doing things. We have to be comfortable. And mm -hmm. sometimes satisfying our needs doesn't put us in a comfortable space. Yeah. And I think- Or a safe space. Yeah or safe space. And, you know, looking at the picture of the guy who's um, been, been arrested, 
he is a nice looking kid from what I can see from his mugshot. So it's not like it's difficult to think that he could have easily lured someone, but it's just about feeling comfortable. Don't let people have you out in the middle of the night going to places that don't make sense. And then they want you to meet them somewhere random to then take you somewhere else random. Mm -hmm. And I know we've all done it, especially, yeah. you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands when the internet wasn't what it is now and we couldn't have pictures and geo positioning, but especially nowadays, and I've said this before, I'll keep saying it, like you need to tell someone if you're going to do some sketchy shit, because mm -hmm. we all do it, even though we know it's not right, we do it, message someone. You can message me on Instagram, send me a DM that says like, I listened to you, I'm going to this address to hook up, you know, and I'll remember, maybe in a day or two, I'll remember to message you, but I'll say like, are you safe? <laughs> Uh -huh. And if you say yes, it's thumbs up. No judgment. I've done more for less. I don't judge people. Like, I'm very sex positive. Like, I don't trust you if you're not a slut. Like, so I'm not going to judge you. But it's like, you need to tell someone. And if you're embarrassed to tell your friends, tell a stranger. I can be a stranger. Like, but this shit is crazy. Mm -hmm. And what's the most scary about it, and we talked about this already or previously, is with technology, it's really hindering a lot of people who thought that they could commit these crimes and continue. Yeah. Right? Because there wasn't, wasn't surveillance and GPS. But nowadays, what's so scary about this guy is he told the police, yeah, I meant to do it and I was going to keep doing it until y'all caught me. Mm -hmm. So damn surveillance. He found this man on a on an app that tells you where he's going and who he was talking to. Yeah. So he was going to get caught. Mm -hmm. And then this makes me think like there are a lot of people out there who are clearly mentally unwell and they're teetering oh yeah and you know that there were signs to this to, to people that came across this man prior to this act you know yes that somebody thought something about him and we have to be so careful because if someone is borderline and it's like if if i'm already thinking i want to kill myself or i don't care about my life and i don't care if i go to prison it's not that big of a leap for me to think i'm going to kill someone who i'm mad at or someone who represents something i hate like this shit is not that difficult for people to achieve. Like, and I am like paranoid and shit, but, and you can be the most prepared and it can still happen to you. But I just want people to be careful because this shit is wild out here. People are really wild. And then you see all the reports of like random acts of violence that you couldn't have prepared for. You were just minding your own business, putting groceries in the back of your car. And then some person comes up and stabs you with a rusty butter knife. Yeah. You could not have prepared for that. So it's just like, be alert. Tell people where you are. Stop doing this like, it's 2022. Who cares if people judge you? Don't do this shit undercover. Don't be DL about it. Like, be, let people know. Um, I guess we need to move on to something lighter. Uh, Madonna. Mm -hmm. She recently did a TikTok with um, a very popular TikToker. And uh named terry joe who i don't know but apparently is known for like outdoor. casseroles yeah known for making casseroles because that, that that's a midwest <laughs> terry joe and this person i don't know how they identify uh their, their gender but they're a person of color and okay. uh they uh had madonna on and madonna proceeded to um sniff poppers while she was on this video with this person <laughs> looking crazy with no eyebrows on. she looks like she's uh about to let's get unconscious for people who don't know what poppers are they're like an aromatic they're I believe wonderful. they're like amyl nitrate maybe they, I, I could they be wrong used, they used to be amyl nitrate. oh they used to yeah. be and then, um but they are wonderful aren't they they're um you know they're not intended to be inhaled and for years they've been available under different names like vcr head cleaner leather cleaner i think nowadays you can find them in some countries like they'll say they are aromatics yeah but they're very it, it's a very strong chemical people inhale that like open up blood vessels, which allow people to enjoy certain sex acts or, you know, people don't always use them for sex. People go out to like clubs, dancing, dancing. Yeah. or if you're Madonna on a damn TikTok. Well, they're called poppers because back in the day, they used to be a capsule you would pop yeah. and then inhale it. So, yeah. yeah. So they, they, they make you feel good, but they're not safe and overusing them can really cause a lot of damage. And if you spill them all over yourself, you burn your skin. You can burn your skin. But yeah, I, I just think it's funny that Madonna's doing this after people kind of got her together for the whole like gay thing it's throwing like her panties in the trash i don't know it's just okay um uh, really quickly i discovered ncis that show with mark Harmon. all i want to say is i really liked it. It, it it it's fluff but the stories are so gripping um 
But Mark Harmon's hair, I don't know how long it's been like that, but it looks so crazy to me. <laughs> well, the episode that you described that you like sounds a lot like Strangers on a Train meets Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, I watched like 10 episodes on the cruise ship, but one of them that I watched was about a woman who killed a man, and then it suggested that she killed him via hypnotic suggestion. Mm -hmm. And then she was seeing a hypnotherapist, and we find out that at this therapist's office, the patients who were in the lobby could hear the session. And so there was a guy in the lobby who overheard her session and then decided that she was going to use her now that she's fresh, she's been freshly sort of uh, suggested to, to suggest that she go kill the man who's having an affair with this man's wife. A fresh suggestion. So it's like a third party killing. It, it was interesting, but yeah, uh, I would definitely watch more NCIS. <laughs> uh, well, then you get along uh, to find another thing that you like with my mother who likes Mark Harmon. Yes. Um, then we, uh, I'm, I'm going to bring some, the song Seven Rings by Ariana Grande. I know back in 2019 when it came out, there was a lot of conversation about the lyric that says, you like my hair, gee, thanks, just bought it. Mm -hmm. And like how she's appropriating black culture, which I guess as someone who's very familiar with like, you know, hair and makeup and entertainment, every person on TV, like in entertainment is wearing fake hair. It's not just a black thing. Yep. And Ariana Grana's, uh, Grana's, Grande's uh, horsetail ponytail is clearly fake. Mm -hmm. So I was a little, it was kind of baffling that people took it as appropriation when it's like clearly that girl who looks in. Also, another thing people need to know is people who uh, appear malnourished have very fine, thin hair. Uh -huh. A woman like Ariana Grande, the likelihood that her ponytail would be that thick mm -hmm. is like unbelievable. But anyway, I, I never listened to the song, listened to it on the cruise, and there were subtitles. And one of the lyrics says, when you see them racks, racks being like bands of money, when you see them racks, they stacked up like my ass. And when I heard that, I fell off the bed. I can't believe that people were taken aback by the hair comment no. and they weren't befuddled by her implying that she has an ass. I think that she was trying to tell us she was poor. Ariana Grande <laughs> is built like 630. Straight up and down, half the size. Like, I don't understand where this ass that, is. I can't believe that people with asses weren't like, fuck the hair. This that, bitch ain't got no ass. Like That lyric is a cry for help from her agent who is mismanaging her funds. I can't, I mean, I'm still like stuck on how someone wrote her this lyric and thought that <laughs> well and she sang this lyric no one full and well then people heard it and they were mad about the hair lyric that's like calling yourself an amazon girl no <laughs> anyway we watched on hulu the huluween drag extravaganza which uh, is like hulu's halloween special featuring drag queens not only did you put me through watching it now i've had to comment a third time on something i immediately wanted to forget about <laughs> i'm surprised at how mediocre it was and also what the purpose of it was because it kind of felt like an infomercial for hulu mm -hmm. and they say that it is in the beginning but mm -hmm. then it really doesn't reference much it stars monet exchange and ginger minge they're playing themselves as drag queens about to perform at a club when all of a sudden they get sucked into <clears> like a uh tv and then they're in this world where they have to put on a variety show and then they have other drag queens and queer people doing these little skits and I thought the writing was subpar. The acting was not the best. The audio, most of it appears to be dubbed, mm -hmm. not the best. There was somewhat of a little budget. And I heard Monet Exchange talk about how it came to be that some Hulu executive is a fan of uh, Monet Exchange and heard her on her podcast talk about how Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime need to have more drag queens. Mm -hmm. And so this executive at Hulu, who clearly can greenlight projects, just like on a whim said, yeah, you can do one. And then probably threw 200 grand at it. And then we got this. And I mean, nothing about it was remarkable. I Some things of note, there's a skit uh, called 1-800-Ghouls. It's like a phone sex line that I thought was kind of humorous. Jackie Beat has a song called Dating a Vampire Sucks which I didn't think worked well in this format. I do like Jackie Bean, think she's very talented as a writer. Yeah, but, but I don't think she's good for like sketch comedy. Nope. Mm -mm. Kesha, the singer, performs a song called I Am Cannibal that was, I mean, I, I, I thought it was a joke, but it seems like she really thought that she was giving us something we needed. Mm. Uh, 
There's a little preview within the special about a cartoon special called Solar Opposites that I thought looked so much the jokes in that little 30 second clip were funnier than all of the drag extravaganza. Yes. So I thought that was odd. Lastly, Monet Exchange and Ginger Minge throughout the special keep referencing how like it's dull and unfunny and they want it to be over, which I just thought was so crazy because like that's how I was feeling watching it. Like it, it just seems like you're, it's not very self-aware. Like they really think they're giving the people. And like you said, for people who don't know drag race, I mean, if they turn this on, what are they thinking? Like, why am I watching these not very funny people? Yeah, like, <laughs> and I love drag and I'm so happy that drag queens are on bigger platforms. But this, this is a, I mean, I'm glad that this is a start, but it I, I was not impressed. No, not very innovative. Uh, okay, we need to take a short break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, sorry to this man. So the movie Smile stars Sophie Bacon. Sosie. Oh, I'm sorry. Sosie Bacon. And you know, I wouldn't have known this, but you also didn't realize that... She's the child of Kevin Bacon and Keir Sedgwick. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's not really a mistake as much as an oversight. Well, because and... I think I was more distracted by Sosie, because to me that's an odd name. <laughs> for, for whatever reason, that was more odd than her surname, but whatever. Uh, films released uh, we didn't cover or make videos for, I guess, which is not entirely true, but uh, something called Peaceful. Uh, the latest film directed by Emmanuel Berko, who is not a director I really care for, but uh, she this is the third time she worked with Catherine Deneuve, uh, who is a, a favorite of mine. Uh, Deneuve, Deneuve also didn't really care for this film, it turns out, which premiered at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival. It's the one where she had a she had either had a stroke or a heart attack on set and then there's a hospital scene but uh lucky her uh oh. but it's one of those uh you know disease film subgenres and benoit uh mejumel is uh, dying of pancreatic cancer and blah 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 you know how it goes from there uh i had to laugh one of my notes on the film and i covered this for ion cinema uh was benoit mejumel makes a point of saying he's 39 in the film it, Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Um, but yeah, so we have coverage for that at Ion Cinema. And then the Run Sweetheart Run opens. Um, Nick wrote a review for Run Sweetheart Run for our website. That's correct. Uh, so if you go to fishjellyfilms.com, you can read it. Yes. And that was okay. It has Shora Agdashlu, uh, who's a, a character who I both like to look at and love to listen to. Um, yeah. And then Pray for the Devil, uh, starring Virginia Madsen, was released. I be I don't believe there were press screenings, but um, we didn't make it to it. I, I would have liked, I still want to see it. But it's directed by Daniel Stamm, who I really quite liked The Last Exorcism back in 2010. All quiet on the Western front. Uh, yes, Edward Berger uh, mounted a new adaptation of this film for Netflix. And I hope I'd hoped to watch it this weekend because uh, I missed it at, a couple film festival things, but I, I had never read the book. So I started that by Eric Maria remark considered one of the best uh, war novels ever written. And I, it is, it is very impressively written. It is uh, he, he's a commendable writer, uh, but it's also very horrific. And of course, depressing uh, about uh, German soldiers on uh, the world war one war front. Uh, yes. So I'm, I'm excited to get to that. I should hopefully, finish the book today or tomorrow armageddon time uh i had tried to get you to fit this in but we just didn't a uh, new film from james gray who I, I do much appreciate the films of james gray i think i believe you saw his last film ad astra um but this film is kind of semi-autobiographical i saw it can i covered it for on cinema about his uh youth discovering racism uh yes i, I do recommend it cabinet of curiosities uh guillermo del toro a uh, curated series that premiered on Netflix, which I would watch. I uh, haven't had time for it. 
Lastly, call Jane. Uh, we did cover this out of Sundance, but just a new high alert. There is a new Sigourney Weaver film uh, that everyone needs to go support. In our video, we saw it over a year ago. So No, I'm... we saw uh, that was The Good House. Call Jane, we saw this past January. Oh, you're right. Yes. <laughs> well, we have, a, we have videos for The Good House and Call Jane. Yes. Uh, okay. And movie... the AFI Film Festival starts. Oh, that's right. This week. Movies we watch for fun. I finally watched Barbarian. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I think I liked it more than you. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know that. Had I so we made a video for Barbarian, and I for some reason remembered the full plot, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I knew exactly what was going to happen. So I think had I seen it fresh, I probably would have been a little more excited. But I still think it was fun. Um, you know, I like when. I don't mind like a busy story when it's kind of outlandish and it, and it keeps me, it kept my attention and, you know, horror, it, it's very rare. Something scares me. So I much prefer like, prefer like WTF moments and ridiculousness, which this film does have. I think the main character, she's, she does some things I wouldn't do, but I also understand maybe the approach of making her like the good guy while Justin Long is the bad guy and, how good prevails because she is the one who's trying to actually help people while he's throwing people under the bus and harming them. Right. But, there, but there's a lot about gender because that whole, that whole conversation she has with Bill Skarsgård about she was only allowed yes. in to this double booked Airbnb because she's a woman and he's a man. And the, she wouldn't have let him in. And yeah, the opposite wouldn't have worked yeah. just like how men are taught to be callous and careless where women are taught to, if you have some kind of a connection with someone you owe them. So yes, while she does things that I would like to say, I wouldn't also do that. There's, you know, this, this conditioning we teach women that they owe people someone for for knowing them and that they have to care for them mm, sure i i think that because it's making this this uh, it's a film about a statement about moral ob obligation well i think sort of the gender stereotype that women are mothers and mothers are nurturer caretakers so it would make i mean and that's the plot of of the the monster in the house is she thinks she's a mother because she's been conditioned only by that video by the video she yeah. sees so yeah i mean that makes sense um, and, and that's what the main character is trying to do is care for um, not only Skarsgård, but Justin Long. So, yeah, I, I think it was fun if I saw it like at a late night screening, I would be like, I would think it was a lot of fun. I, I would rec now that it's on HBO Max, I would definitely watch it if you haven't. Like it, it, it's a good late night movie. Um, a Mother's Revenge. Uh, while you were gone, I watched this television film directed by Armand Mastroianni uh, from 1993, starring Leslie Ann Warren and Bruce Davison and Shirley Knight. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren plays a career woman whose 11 year old is raped, beaten by the school janitor who's a sex offender. And this is back in the day before you could um, track uh, charges from out of state. Uh, and of course, he is uh, not convicted because Shirley Knight, his mother, provides an airtight alibi. So Leslie Ann Warren shoots this man in the courtroom before the verdict is even like 30 seconds fresh. And then she hires Annette O'Toole, uh, his defense attorney, to defend her. Uh, so it's kind of like... And she only gets a year in prison. Yeah, because Shirley Knight has a breakdown and says she lied on the stand at the very end. Anyway, uh, it is kind of fun. It's about the time Leslie Ann Warren was reduced to also doing things like Color of Night with Bruce Willis. Uh, something called White Sands. Well, you were here when I started that. Uh, Roger Spottiswood film, uh, who's not a director, I you know certainly would go out of my way to see all of his things, but I started Willem Dafoe, who I'm a big fan of, and I'd never seen it. And it also has Mickey Rourke and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. It has some questionable plotting, uh, but yeah. Uh, next is... The Witch. The Witch. Uh, from a new Arrow, Arrow video collection of three titles that are giallo adjacent from 60s, 70s period Italian cinema. It's directed by Damiano Damiani, uh, who I, I have seen another film by him called The Most Beautiful Wife with Ornella Muti. Uh, but The Witch, I thought, was a lot of fun, gorgeously shot uh, in black and white, and has uh, familiar uh, plot elements about an old woman who has found a way to make herself young again uh, and fools young men into being her lovers, but they don't realize that she uh, is want to turn to the older woman that they think is the mother in the house. Mm. Daddy daycare. This movie is terrible, but I wanted oh. to watch it for a long time because it stars Angelica Houston and Regina King in supporting roles. But of course, it's an Eddie Murphy film from 2003. 
uh, directed by Steve Carr of Next Friday fame, a whole slew of supporting people in the cast, like uh, Steve Zahn and uh, little Elle Fanning. And I thought Jeff Garland was extremely great in this, but it's a couple of about a couple of advertising executives that are laid off and uh, to make money, they establish a daddy daycare out of Eddie Murphy's house. And Angelica Houston is the uh, runs the suburban school. That's the only major competition and tries to take him down. But I thought she looked quite good in it. And Regina King looks fantastic, although she has nothing to do. The African Desperate. I highly recommend this directorial debut uh, from Martine Sims, the artiste. Uh, she made this film about, uh, I think it premiered at Rotterdam and was at New Directors New Films this year. You can watch it on movie right now. It's about a young woman who has just completed her MFA and it's the last 24 hours before she leaves uh, university to go back to Chicago. And it's kind of this drug-fueled experience where she's kind of saying goodbye and maybe connecting with a love interest and experiencing, you know, the in a kind of comedic way, the certain microaggressions particular to a certain liberal arts uh, art school scene. Lastly, Heartbreakers. There was a Ray Liotta retrospective at the American Cinemateca in Los Feliz, and uh, they played Heartbreakers. You know, Ray Liotta just passed away recently, and uh, I had a great time. It was very uh, enthralling and emotional screening where people were clapping at all the right moments for Sigourney, who was really fantastic in this. All her scenes with Ray Liotta and uh, Gene Hackman. Oh, my God. It's yeah. You know, at one point there were David Mirkin who directed it and also Romy Michelle's High School Reunion. He had scripted a, a sequel called Heartbroken, uh, but I, I don't, it never got made. And then Anne Bancroft died and, you know. Mm. Okay. Projects of interest, Canto Due. You keep saying that. Uh, what is it? I, I probably just should have had a better note for that. But Abdelatif Kashish has three new projects. Uh, because he has split his last chapter of Mektou, My Love, into not one, but two segments, apparently, just what we needed, and uh, is also developing a project with Olivia Lustau of Nadav Lapid's Synonyms. The Forest Hills. Uh, Shelley Duvall is making her first on-screen appearance in, I think, over 20 years with the horror film called The Forest Hills, directed by a man I'm not familiar with, Scott Goldberg. Clown in a Cornfield. The producers of Smile, which is making money, 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 uh, have greenlit a project to be directed by Eli Craig of Tucker and Dale versus Evil called Cloud in a Cornfield, which sounds entertaining already. James Gray. James Gray, who we just, uh, at the aforementioned Mr. Gray with his new film Armageddon Time, uh, looks to be making a film about the young JFK. The Pack. Alexander Skarsgård, whose brother was also aforementioned in this podcast, uh, is directing a movie called The Pack, uh, and Florence Pugh has signed on to it. The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Guy Ritchie, uh, who needs to retitle this project, uh, has recruited Henry Cavill. Okay. Lastly, The Island. This sounds very interesting to me. Uh, Pavel Polakowski last was on hand in 2018 with Cold War, uh, looks to be directing a new project called The Island, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara, set in the 1930s. And if you look it up, it sounds really interesting. Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Jerry Lee Lewis has passed. And I feel so stupid because when he passed, Lady Bunny posted a meme saying Jerry Lewis died. So mm -hmm. I thought Jerry Lewis died and I asked you. I'm like, I think he's been dead. But no, it's Jerry Lee Lewis. And how would I know him? Uh, rock singer, best known for great balls of fire, uh, but also marrying his was it his cousin or niece uh, who's underage. And again, there's a movie directed by Jim McBride called Great Balls of Fire from 1989, starring Dennis Quaid and Winona Ryder. And Leslie Jordan died. He was 67. He was involved in a car accident that may have been the result of a medical emergency. Looking at the car, it's a, a minor accident, so I don't think it was the accident that killed him, but we don't know. It, it's very sad. I yeah. really enjoyed Leslie Jordan. Most people know him from Will and Grace. He played Karen's nemesis. I didn't watch that show, except for the episode Janet Jackson was on. Yeah, I didn't either. So I mainly know Leslie Jordan from Sorted Lives, yeah. uh, the series and the movie. And he's in The Help. He's in a lot of other things. Yeah. And during the pandemic, he, be, he kind of went viral on social media for making cute little videos. 
his last video, I believe, was about him having bought a new fancy condo, like mm -hmm. a high rise. And he, I, I watched the video. He's just being cute, saying like, you know, I, I, I bought my first condo, like, and he's giving a view of the, the space. And so that's sad, but, you know, he had a nice impact on the world. Yes. Okay, we need to take another small break. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Today is a struggle. <laughs> the sound, these microphones, anchor. Oh, bless my heart. I also mm. neglected to mention in projects of interest that Tyler Perry was at an event, I believe, two weeks ago and said that he was ready to write a script for Why Did I Get Married Again? So, of course, Why Did I Get Married? The sequel, Why Did I Get Married 2? And the third installment, you know, a decade plus later, Why Did I Get Married Again? And that if Janet Jackson and Jill Scott were into it, he could move forward. So it sounds like the others would do it. So then, of course, all the headlines were that the project is stalled <laughs> until Janet Jackson and Jill Scott want to do it. But then Tyler had to get on social media and say that that's not the case. Um, uh, but, but he what, hasn't actually approached them to do it yet. Would one of you, would Jill Scott or Janet please um, hold out and ask for someone else to write the script? Oh, please. But anyway, so the secret film for this. Oh, and week, I, for, I forgot to mention um, Happy Birthday to Me was another film. I, oh, that's right. Directed by Jay Lee Thompson and starring Little. Uh, Little House on the Prairie Alum, Melissa Sue Anderson, and Glenn Ford doing God knows what in the slasher movie. But <laughs> we did a we had a live conversation about Jaylee Thompson's Cape Fear uh, oh. earlier this month. Okay, your selection this week was the 1978 American supernatural thriller The Fury, mm -hmm. directed by Brian De Palma. A favorite. It stars Kirk Douglas, John Cassavetes, Amy Irving, Carrie Snodgrass, dot, dot, dot. Why did you choose this movie? Uh, because I love it, and I feel like, you know, in De, De Palma's oeuvre, everybody kind of neglects talking about this movie, because it falls, I think, under the shadow of Carrie, which is all it's about a telekinetic teenager. Um, and, and, you know, between that and uh, Dress to Kill, yeah, I, I think this is an overlooked film of his, uh, probably for good reason, but I still highly enjoy it. It's interesting that the person who did Carrie followed it up with another movie about a young woman with telepathic powers who starred in Amy Irving was who's also in Carrie Sue Snell in Carrie um the story is quite different though this movie definitely feels more like bombastic because it's like an action movie with like an ex-CIA person and trying to find his son combined with this government conspiracies and, and and this telepath like this girl with psychic powers who helps him Dr. Xavier's school for the gifted <laughs> okay, the basic story is Kirk Douglas plays an ex-CIA agent who has a son named Robin, a handsome young man who has powers similar to um, the girl who we meet, Gillian, played by Amy Irving. Amy Irving. So Robin gets kidnapped by this secret government agency because they want to manipulate his powers. So there's that. Then Amy Irving, it's clear that she has psychic powers. So she goes to something called the Paragon Institute, mm -hmm. which is also where Robin went. But once they found out that his powers were more than everyone else's, the secret agency took him. So now Amy is there and it's clear that the secret agency, which is led by Cassavetes. John Cassavetes, wants her as well. But one of the teachers at this Paragon Institute is... Carrie Snodgrass, mm -hmm. and she is in a romantic relationship with Kirk Douglas. So secretly, secretly, which aligns well because Gillian is having visions of Robin. Mm -hmm. And Carrie Snodgrass finds out and tells Kirk Douglas, like, I think this girl knows where your son is. So he's like, well, you got to break her out so we can go find him. She breaks 
Carrie Snodgrass breaks out Gillian, and in the process, she gets killed. But Kirk Douglas is there to retrieve Gillian, and they go on a bus trip to this secret location where Robin is, who's having like a romantic relationship with his doctor. Played by Fiona Lewis. So it culminates with Kirk Douglas reuniting with his son and trying to take him, but the son is like very hostile at this point. And they both end up dying because they get into like a tussle on a roof mm -hmm. and fall off the roof. So now they're dead. John Cassavetes is there. A Amy Irving, it look, make, they make it seem like she inherits his power, Robin's power. Yeah, she, she sort of has more power now. Then she gets taken by Cassavetes and then he's acting like, I'm going to do to you how that lady did to Robin. Like, you're going to be my little protege and I'm going to use you sexually. And when he tries to make a move on her, the final scene of the film is she goes apeshit in a very campy scene to be. I love it, though. I love it. And she causes him to explode. Like, yep. the final shot is John Cassavetes exploding. Yeah, much like Scanners. But this is before that film. Yeah. Oh, I, lo I love the last few minutes. Um because it's finally Amy Irving who's playing this very frustrating kind of helpless young woman and then she just lets it all loose. Um, and yes, it is campy and funny, but uh, I, I love it. Overall, I thought the movie was fun. There's a lot going on, so it kept my attention. It is ridiculous and Amy Irving is grating and Kirk Douglas is like real hammy. It, yeah, it's it's like he wants to be shirtless and he, he probably to be shirtless shouldn't be. And, yeah. It's much like, um, you know, because Jake Paltrow and Noah Baumbach did a documentary about De Palma and I remember De Palma bitching about like Cliff Robertson wanting to be just very tan all the time. He'd be like, you're the color of the walls in Obsession. But the opening scene is Kirk and his son Robin swimming back to shore and they had like a race and then they're like wrestling shirtless which yeah. is so awkward mm -hmm. because the son is you know attractive I guess Andrew Stevens plays Robin and uh yeah and somehow Kirk Douglas is shirtless more than Andrew Stevens yeah which seems weird mm -hmm. uh so this secret government agency is doing everything they can to locate Kirk Douglas who's been in hiding because they think that he's going to come and take his son back mm-hmm so they've invested a lot of resources in finding him and they do they they corner him in chicago like in this neighborhood so kirk douglas is hiding out in some apartment where he's he's not he's kind of holding people hostage but he's friendly to them mm -hmm. and uh in the process he's trying to alter his identity so we see him like making a fat suit and he's coloring his hair white with white shoe polish mm -hmm. which goes on for a long time mm -hmm. and ultimately it doesn't amount to much like his hair doesn't look that different it just looks kind of crusty and then he just puts a hat on and then he takes two cops hostage one of whom is dennis franz oh but before he even does that the minute he steps outside they recognize yeah him. <laughs> he doesn't get very so far we spend like quite a bit of well, time because these two black guys are like look at this old man let's get him let's rob him and then <laughs> immediately they recognize him because he's able to defend himself yeah that shit was crazy. But when he's holding, holding these people hostage, it's like an older married couple and then like the mother-in-law, mm -hmm. Mother Knuckles. And so Kirk Douglas has tied up the married couple, but he's like flirting with Mother Knuckles. So she's very keen on him. Uh, and then when he leaves, he's like, listen, don't untie them until MASH is over. But she doesn't like them. So she's like, oh, I'm not going to untie them until the TV goes blank. Like, <laughs> Did you recognize Mr. Knuckles? Uh... Yeah, he played um, on different strokes. He was in the episode where that where he's trying to molest um, Arnold, mm -hmm. Gary Coleman's character. Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> That's the, how I knew him. And Melody Thomas Scott is in it, who you also recognize. From Young and the Restless. Mm -hmm. That lady has been on Young and the Restless for as long as I've been alive. And she still looks good. And there's still or looks the same. Also, Daryl Hannah and Britannia uh, Alda from Mommy Dear. Yeah, there are a lot of cool people in this movie. Yeah. Um, I kept thinking, if I had powers like they have, I'd be fucking everybody up. Mm -hmm. I don't know why these people like. There's a scene at the school. Gil they say Gillian's name so much. There could yes. be a drinking game for every time someone says Gillian. Mm -hmm. There also could be a drinking game every time Gillian screams. <laughs> She's annoying. But at school, she looks beautiful though. She is. Oh well, we'll get to it. But there's oh, like one of the opening scenes is Gillian at school, and the girls are picking on her because they're like, "You're a freak because you're a psychic." <laughs> and she's like, and the girls are like, "If you know so much, this one girl is like, if you know so much, tell me about me." Mm -hmm. And she's like, "I don't think you want to know." If I had those powers. Ooh. Sure, I'd be shaming everybody who came, anybody who worked my nerve even slightly. Mm -hmm. If you hopped on one of my nerves, just a little jump on it, I would tell all your business. 
Like, yeah, the, oh, you got a problem with me? You don't oh. have a problem with them six abortions. Like, <laughs> um, so she tells the group, like, oh, well, you're pregnant. And then the girl freaks out. And when Gillian touches people, they start bleeding, which reminded me of Firestarter. Yeah, which this predates that too. Um, but, um, well, it's funny because Charles Durning, who runs the Paragon Institute, is telling his staff, we're going to run some real tests on Gillian. And if any of you women, any of you women are on your monthlies, you better not come. Yeah, because she's like drawn to blood or something. I'm like, God. <laughs> and damn. one of the ladies is like, what, really? If, if you're not going to take this seriously, you can't work here anymore. Oh, no, because she says something like, what, is she a vampire? Uh, I won't have you speak that way about her. So the actor playing Gillian's mother, mm -hmm. I don't know her name, but her, this character, the mom, is super rich like they live in a super nice mansion the mom is being chauffeured in like a rolls royce she's traveling all over the world so she barely sees her daughter we never know why isn't it joyce easton well when we meet the mom i swear they look the same age i actually thought gillian looked older than her mom so i looked it up and that lady playing her mom is in fact like almost i believe 30 years old yeah that is joyce easton yeah mm -hmm. she's like almost no she's like 24 years older than her Mm -hmm. so that was interesting they both look great though um so snodgrass carrie snodgrass and gillian they are both very very thin carrie snodgrass looks like malnourished yes she and does. there's a scene where both of them are like we should treat her well carrie is saying we should treat ourselves mm -hmm. we should have some banana split sundays and then she starts saying all the toppings she wants and then of course like a house or like a maid brings like this amazing setup for banana split and i was so grossed out because particularly gillian is like getting all the toppings with her hands mm -hmm. and then she's licking her fingers and dipping them back in there i was so bothered by that and then those bananas were not ripe like <laughs> i know you were, you were very you were hypercritical i think of the the sunday topping you did just see carrie snodgrass we rewatched wild things she plays nev campbell's guardian in that oh uh, she's probably best known though for diary of a mad housewife so the story is a little complicated, although it does make sense for the most part. Um, one thing I didn't like is that we're made to believe Kirk Douglas is looking for his son, but he's been told that the son is dead, but mm -hmm. he believes the son's not dead. Then, so we're, as the audience, we think Robin's dead. Then uh, the guy, Jim, who runs the Paragon Institute, at one point, Gillian touches him so she can see his like mind and she sees what happens to Robin, which is that Jim was chasing Robin mm -hmm. and Robin, like he pushed him out of the window. So then we see Robin die, but then we find out Robin's not dead. I didn't like that. I feel like they should have just told us Robin was dead and then we find out he's not through, sure, sure. through Gillian's psychic powers. The, the, but the fact that they tell us and show us, and then it's like, oh, just kidding, he's not dead. There's a lot that seems overly complicated, such yeah. as such as getting Gillian out of the Paragon Institute. Oh, <laughs> then the so then when Carrie Snod because Carrie Snodgrass and Kirk Douglas are in a relationship, and he's telling her I need to find Robin, and then Carrie Snodgrass overhears Gillian talking about Robin and relays it to Kirk. So he's like, You need to get this lady out. So the plan they execute to get Gillian out is so tedious. Like, mm -hmm. and again, this lady has powers. Why don't you just? And all of their moves are being um, photographed inside the Institute. Oh, it's too much. Uh, and another Carol Eve Rawson, who plays the therapist on Stepford Wives. She's one of the doctors at the Institute. There's a funny scene with her. Yeah. Because she's talking to Gillian, trying to like, she's trying to talk to her and then, Gillian grabs her and then she starts bleeding from her fingernails and yeah. her eyes and then she just drops dead. I, thought I, that I, I don't cool. think she dies, but oh, she doesn't. Die. Um, so Robin, uh, Kirk Douglas's son, he's having sex with his doctor who's played by Fiona Lewis and who you know from Tincho Rara or White Shark. She's the first one to die. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She has a memoir that I have too called um, Mistakes Were Made, Some in French. Oh, well, I thought that that felt kind of icky, obviously. Yes, but and she seems so bored, too. She, yeah, she seems so bored with him, and then he's, like, all about her. and But like, he's increasingly becoming more violent, which is kind of funny to watch. Then there's a scene at, a, uh, uh, like, a, an amusement park. So the opening of the film is Kirk with his son at this beach, and then In the these, Middle like, East. generic Middle Eastern men, like, you know, they're just depicting these men wearing, like, head coverings coming, and, like, they're supposed to be, like, terrorists, I guess. Yes. So then... And, and they, so Robin thinks 
kills Kirk Douglas mm -hmm. because, but, but Kirk is not dead. So then at this carousel in the future now, Robin sees these Arab men or Middle Eastern men mm -hmm. wearing similar garb. Just randomly at this randomly, like, like these men are just randomly trying to enjoy the amusement park and they're on this carousel <laughs> and there's a scene that felt real racist where <laughs> yeah. he just like, yeah, just wants to destroy these men and he makes the carousel like spin really fast. Out of control. And they fly off and like, their little car flies into a restaurant. And it's like a sideways Ferris wheel. But also like these seeing these two men, because there's a whole group of them. And then just these two of them are like, yeah, we want to get on this Ferris wheel. It, it looked real suspect, uh, but but funny. Um, I kept thinking Kirk Douglas reminds me of Michael McDonald from Mad TV. Sure. He has like that face of like a bird that just plucked out of its shell. Yeah. He's oh. not my favorite screen presence, but. Okay, when... Carrie Snodgrass absconds with Gillian from the Paragon Institute. In the process, she gets shot and killed. In one of those nice, uh, classic De Palma slow-mo sequences. And Kirk Douglas's character witnesses it, and he's very upset. But he takes um, Gillian, and they hop on a Greyhound bus. And I thought that was a funny scene, because it's an overnight bus ride. And we first see Kirk Douglas is drunk, gets out of the bathroom toilet in the on the bus, and the door kind of like hits this black lady on the bus. So you can see she's annoyed. Then he's sitting next to Gillian and he's trying to like calm her down. So he's giving her like liquor out of a brown paper bag and the black lady sees it. And the look she gives him is like, Chill, you know you ain't shit. I thought that was funny. Then daylight comes and we see that Kirk gets off the bus and he leaves Gillian. So Gillian starts screaming to the bus driver, stop, stop. And she runs off the bus and Kirk Douglas is like, I don't need you now. I can find him, which is so stupid because right. <laughs> it's her psychic power that's showing you where he is. Yeah, like you're not going to utilize her anymore. And he slaps the shit out of her. Like, you're going to get back on that bus. And the bus driver is just standing there like, what am I supposed to yeah. do? But then finally he agrees to go with her. So they get to the house. Then there's a scene where Robin is getting violent with his doctor girlfriend and he like levitates her and spins her around till she dies. I thought that was a good scene. Mm -hmm. Like funny. Um, and then um, getting back to the final shot of Gillian making Cassavetes explode the score underneath that sounded like the intro music to Star Wars uh, well it's John Williams <laughs> yeah. oh did he do Star Wars? Uh, I believe he did do Star Wars oh he? shit that's um, funny because I don't remember Star Wars but well, I thought it sounded like Star it's Wars it's weird because John Williams you know uh, De Palma you know, was cribbing off of Hitchcock early in his career. And he uh, used Bernard Herrmann until he died. And then and then Pino DiMaggio took over after Carrie. Uh, so it's, I, I don't know if Pino just wasn't available then, because of course he would do Dress to Kill after this. But yes, um, John Williams did the Star Wars uh, soundtrack. So yeah. Well, I would recommend it. Um, it's streaming on Amazon. Um, it's a fun time. I would watch it with friends and um, it's almost two. I, I think it's two hours. It's about it's an hour fifty-seven. Uh, There's a lot going on. Yes, uh, John Farrow, who Ferris uh, adapted his own novel. It feels like a seventies, but novel. it's different enough. I mean, like it seems interesting that he would make another movie about a psychic lady, but it's very different from Carrie. Oh, for sure. Yes. So I I, I can see why maybe he gravitated towards the story. Um, and it was lensed by Richard H. Klein, who did uh, the Dino De Laurentiis production of King Kong, uh, Howard the Duck, Oh, which is, uh, I know, a favorite of yours. Do you have anything else you want to say about this? No, movie? that's it. Well, this has been a really rough day. So if the podcast sounds crazy, there's reason for it. So hopefully next week won't be as chaotic. I, I, I don't know. I'm delirious. I don't feel well now. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm being very traumatic. Well, the, 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 you'll you'll recover in the, the, the break we have before our next screening of The Whale tonight. Yeah, we get to go to the Pacific, Pacific Design Center this afternoon to watch The Whale, and then we get to have dinner and listen to Brendan Fraser and the director Aronofsky, Aronofsky talk, I guess. So um, I am interested in watching The Whale, and... Um, you know, free food will get me places. What else do we have this week? Uh, you'll be seeing Bones and All for the first time. We have the. Oh, one, I am interested in Bones and All. The Wonder with Florence Pugh. I don't know uh, about that. She said, which we were supposed to see today. I don't know about that. I know that I was supposed to see it today, but I don't know what it's about. Oh, so I'm not yeah. looking forward to it because I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. Well, those are I sent you that schedule already, so oh, I haven't opened it. Um, 
And then you're reading that book. Still. I'll hide on the Western Front. We have several screenings to get through, including The Estate and with Tony Collette and Kathleen Turner. That looks fun. Uh, new and Jennifer, Kathleen, yeah, Kathleen. Jennifer, a new Jennifer Lawrence film. Uh, that one's about a, a mentally. Oh, that's about a veteran with brain damage. Brian Tyree Henry. That's worth. That'll be worth watching. I I'm think. sure. I'm sure it'll be a hard watch. Yes. Uh, and a new Ava Green film, Nocebo. Yeah, you seem excited about that. I like Ava Green. Tomorrow's Halloween. Halloweeny. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure everyone celebrated last night, and then probably today people will be out in costume. Mm-hmm. Well, and you- I'm sure tomorrow, but. If you know, if you haven't gone out yet, just be careful out there. Well, hopefully we they're might, killing folks out there. We, we hopefully I hope to make it out somewhere either today or tomorrow. But uh, we have costumes. Yeah. Well, I'm. I actually don't feel well right now. I don't. Oh. I think I'm. I haven't eaten, so maybe you I'm, probably it's your blood sugar. I might have a fever. The beaties. No, he doesn't have. <laughs> you're not diabetic. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say? No. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.